1 Kings 18, verse 30, And Elijah said unto all, The people come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. He's already up there on Mount Carmel. He's already challenged the people of God. And the Bible said the people answered him, Not a word. Come near unto me, he said. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. It's a dark hour in Israel's history. And yet there's a man on Carmel that hadn't gave up on God's people. There's a man on Carmel that is seeking God. He desires for them to see that God is the God and for them to serve him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And the Bible said, unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and poured on the burnt sacrifice, four barrels of water. Some writers have said there was a spring over there on the edge of Carmel and they drew out this water from the spring and the Bible said they poured four barrels of water. Verse number 34 said, and he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. So there's 12 barrels of water been poured on this sacrifice and on this wood and around this altar. And the Bible said, and the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. You may be seated. I want to take these verses of Scripture. Look back in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 24. And he said, And call you on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well. And then in verse 38, the Bible said, Then the fire of the Lord fell. And I want to preach tonight on that subject, the fire of God. The fire of God. Let's pray. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the good spirit in the house of God today. Thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, dear God, for the fellowship and the communion of God as we preach this morning. Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory for everything you did this morning. Now yet, Lord, there's work to be done tonight. I pray that you give our hearts, Lord, the strength that we need, our minds the clarity. 
our mental capabilities tonight to focus on what you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you'd open the hearts of your people that they might receive the scriptures. Thank you, God, for the visitors that have come. I pray that the Holy Spirit will encourage your people tonight. And God, stir up the gift of God within us and help us, God, to leave this place on fire for God. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in the house of God. Make much God of the scriptures. Magnify the word of God. Lord, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Bless the preaching tonight. God, give the word of God free course, and we'll praise you for it, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you look at this text tonight, I want to remind you that this is a dark hour in the history of Israel. And I know that sometimes we think about the atmosphere in our country and the wickedness of our society, and we say in our mind, Lord, what can you do with such a world that seems to be bent on rebelling against God and bent on rebelling against the word of God? And yet, let me remind you that Israel is at a state very much like our society is in today. In fact, the heavens have been closed. It's been over three years and there's been no answer from heaven. The heavens have been closed. God has promised them in the Old Testament in times when they turned their back on him and worship idols that, that he would set up the heavens and give no rain. He'd send a famine. We're experiencing a famine in the United States of America. Not a famine, my friend, of bread and water, but a famine of the hearing of the words of God. Amos chapter 8 talks about that particular type of famine. And so the heavens have been closed. They watched as the crops dried up, the grass turned brown and blew away, and that there's barrenness everywhere you look. And now the hearts of the people even are cold towards God. Now I want to say tonight, if your heart is cold, it's not because that's the way God desires for it to be. I really believe if you've ever been on fire for God that you ought to still be on fire for God tonight. But if you're not on fire for God, there is a God that can help you to get on fire for him and to go and to glow and to burn for God again. But their hearts are very cold. In fact, when they come to this hill and Elijah throws down the gauntlet of challenge and the Bible tells us here, he said in verse 21, and Elijah came and all the people and said, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. And so they would not even speak up on behalf of Jehovah God. 450 prophets of Baal are about to go into something that would look like a, a rock concert. They're going to jump up on the altar and try to cry out to some gods who have ears but they cannot hear, eyes but they cannot see, a heart that is man-made, carved out of wood or stone, gods that they can fasten with their own hands. Oh, but I want to say the heavens have been silent. Their hearts are cold and the altars of God, we know from this passage of scripture, have been torn down. In fact, there's some of these Israelites, no doubt, that there was a time in their life they would have visited these altars and they would have worshiped God and paid homage to the Lord God of heaven and they realized that they're standing at a place where God has been. Now I want to say I don't want to pastor a church where God has been 
I want to pastor a church where God is and where his presence is real and where the power of God is real. And so I say tonight, it's a sad hour in the history of Israel, and yet God is about to do something mighty and about to do something memorable and about to do something that the Holy Ghost said to the writer of Scripture, you need to pin that down. This is a tremendous day on Mount Carmel, and it proves the veracity and the might and the victory of God himself. Our text is a reminder that God can still send fire from heaven. And I believe he still desires to. You and I that are born again as Christians, we ought to be on fire for God. Somebody help me preach a little while tonight. In fact, if I'm not on fire for God, it is not the Lord's fault. I find out that God still desires from the scripture to send fire. Our churches ought to be on fire for God. Ought to be houses of prayer where the prayer rooms will fill up and we'll cry out to God for God to have mercy upon our country, upon the churches of America and upon the communities that we live in. Our country, my friend, cannot ask God for anything but mercy. When we look and we see how abominable the lifestyles of Americans have become, who would have ever dreamed? I understand that there are people that choose a lifestyle of homosexuality, but I want to say there's not one shred of evidence in the Bible that God puts any stamp of approval on such a lifestyle. I understand that in America they are free to practice that lifestyle. But I want to tell you, God did not cauterize Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain because uh, he was uh, approving the lifestyle of Sodom. I want to say tonight that our churches ought to be on fire for God. The prayer rooms ought to be on fire for God. Our singing ought to be on fire for God. We've had wonderful singing around here today. And then our Sunday school classes ought to be on fire for God. As a young man, I started teaching Sunday school and I thank God for the things he did in my heart in Sunday school in those days. Our leaders in the church ought to be on fire for God and the church members in the pews ought to be on fire for God and you ought to expect the man of God to come every Lord's Day and every Sunday night and Wednesday night and to be on fire for God. Oh, that the Lord would light us on fire tonight that you and I would burn for God until Jesus comes. I ask the question honestly. You ask yourself, am I on fire for God? Am I on fire for God? And Leonard Ravenhill said about this fire, he said, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. I thank God for the times when God has lit fires in the house of God. I thank God when revival fires begin to burn and God changes the atmosphere of the the church. He changes things in the life of the church because God's people begin to get on fire. There's times when God saves people and he places them in the church. And my friend, it creates an atmosphere of fire. A person that's just been saved, they can't wait to tell what Jesus has done for them. I look back over my life and I remember 1982 and those early years. I asked a preacher for a key to the church. I'd go and I'd start praying early 
on Sunday morning. And by the time they got there and had Sunday school assembly, I was ready to testify. I wanted to run around the building. I was filled up with God. Why? It's because I'd gotten somewhere in secret and God had met with me in holy power. I want to say God has demonstrated in this Bible, in the best of times, and yes, in the chapter that we just read, even in the worst of times, that the answer of heaven can still come by the fire of God. In fact, God has been pleased in the history of Scripture to send fire of God from heaven. I don't know about you, I love it when God sets his people on fire. I love it when a person gets full of the can't help it. And I love it when the tears begin to flow out of their eyes and their lips begin to quiver and they stand up and say, I just want to thank God for saving me. And the next thing you know, they're squalling and blubbering. And somebody said, what did they say? I don't know, but I think there's a fire burning in their life. I think there's something going on in their heart and in their life. When I look back through the pages of scripture, I found out that Moses and Aaron at the tabernacle in Leviticus chapter nine, verse 24, the Bible said, and there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fire, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. God lift the fire on the altar of God in the Old Testament. I want to say God longs to light a fire in your heart and in your life. He longs to send the fire of God. And then David and the altar that he built and the sacrifice that he made in First Chronicles 20. 2126 and David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. Now I want to say and just stop and pause here. I'm not asking the Lord to send any fire down on us tonight. Not literal fire. I'm not asking the Lord to send upon us in fire. I'm using the fire as an illustration of how God longs for you and I to be excited for God, filled with his holy power, serving him in the light of our first love and walking in the victory that Jesus purchased at Calvary and thank God that the New Testament resurrection of Christ guarantees so you and I can live steadfastly and unmovably always abounding in the work of God. Oh that God would send the fire of God again as he did in days of old and then Solomon left the temple dedication in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Oh, I thank God, God can still send the fire. He sent it in Solomon's day. He sent it in David's day. He sent it in Moses' day. And the Bible said in 1 Kings 18, 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. In fact, one of the most exciting and intriguing studies in the Bible is fire and water. Lester Roloff said, fire and water. He said two of the most fascinating studies in the Bible. And he said it's hard to get up any steam without either one of them. Amen. So you and I that are here tonight need the fire of God. And when I look at this passage of scripture, I want to make some observations from this chapter. Stay with me and leave your Bible open if you will. First Kings chapter 18 verse 38 said, Then the fire of the Lord fell. I want to say first of all tonight, the fire of God changes everything. The fire of God changes everything. 
In fact, you acted different when you were on fire for God. When a person gets cold, their whole attitude and outlook changes. And I want to say the fire of God changes everything. It'll change the attitude of a Christian when they get on fire for God. When you're cold on God, you can criticize everything and everyone. But when you're on fire for God, you desire to help everyone and try to be a blessing to everyone that you possibly can. And so this fire that fell changed everything. It changed the attitude of these Israelites. It'll change the attitude of a Christian. In fact, when Elijah called for a testimony, the Bible said, and the people answered him, not a word in verse number 21. That is, they didn't have one good word for God. And David prayed this when he got right with God in Psalm 51. Oh Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. I want to tell you, sin seals your lips. A cold heart will seal your lips. You won't have any good word for God, but when the fire of God is burning on the inside, there'll be words to say for God. There'll be testimonies to give for God. There'll be thanks to offer to God. There'll be praise to lift for God. Oh, but when the heart is cold and when you and I are not where we ought to be, you and I can be just like these Israelites. Where when the Bible said, Elijah, them and said, if God is God, serve him. And the Bible said, the people answered him not a word. I've been in churches before. I've been in meetings before. And I think the people of God should have responded a lot better. He said, all right, anybody got a word? Anybody got a testimony? Everybody look around like, well, I hope he don't call on me. Hope he don't want me to give a testimony. I hope he don't want me to say anything for the Lord. And all of a sudden, I mean, it just about gets so quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Now, I don't know why you and I are here tonight. God has saved us from hell. God has washed us in his blood. God has indwelt us with his spirit. God has daily loaded us with benefits. God has met our needs. He's given us his air to breathe and his world to live in. And he's made us heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, this fire of God when it fell, the Bible said in verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Oh, it changed everything. It changed what was on their lips. It'll change the labor of the child of God. Hey, you see, when you're on fire for God, it's not hard to get a person on fire for God to do something for the Lord. Listen, you can prime and pump and pull and you can blame and shame and you can do everything you think is necessary, but you'll not get a person that's cold on God to do very much for the Lord. That's exactly right. In fact, when I look at what Elijah's doing, the Bible said in verse number 30, the last phrase, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now read the language from the Bible said, he, singular, he. And when Elijah started picking up the pieces of that altar and started putting things in order, I tell you, I have no doubt in my mind there were not some Israelites that had been at this sacred place before, that had worshiped at, at this sacred spot. And there were probably some that said, my grandpa was here when this altar was built. And uh, my mom and daddy used to bring us up to this altar. And yet none of them said, Elijah, I don't want you to do that all by yourself. Please let me help. It's a shame that we've left the altar of God. Get in this condition. Oh, Elijah, let us help you rebuild the altar of God. But the Bible 
Bible said in verse 30 that he repaired it. And verse 31 said Elijah took 12 stones. And the Bible said in verse 32, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures. And he, verse 33, put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces. And he, the only thing they were willing to do was pour water on it. Only thing they were willing to do was just try to douse with water the altar. Elijah did all the work. Alan, sometimes I want to say that if you're not careful when you get cold, you can let the preacher do everything. You can let the man of God do everything. If something, well, you know, somebody will take care of it. And you know what? Uh, the people out the church, somebody else will do it. And uh, I found out that somebody doesn't live here. That's exactly right. I found out that somebody never has joined this church. I found out that someday never really comes. Oh, but those that are on fire for God say, preacher, I can take care of that. Let me help prepare the sacrifice. Let me lay some wood. Let me bring some stones. Let me, if I can, they finally threw in and they poured the water on it and they poured the water on the altar. And I want to tell you, Elijah was not a bit concerned about that. Those heathen priests would sometimes rig up a, rig up an altar and try to put some type of little apparatus underneath that try to spark some flame so that, that the altar would catch flame and catch fire to deceive unwitting souls. But Elijah said, it doesn't matter. Pour the water on 12 barrels. He said in a little while something's going to come out of the throne of God in heaven and going to light the fire of God here in this place. Oh, I want to say they did not try to repair the altar. They They did only pour the water on. And so their lips and their life and their labor has been affected by the coldness of their heart. You can tell a lot about a person by their unwillingness to do anything for God or for someone else. And now their love for him was really not right. You see, they should have loved God enough to speak for God and to say something on his behalf. They should have stood up. Somebody should have said, our fathers were slaves and bondmen in the land of Egypt. Our forefathers carried the bricks and they bore the burden of Egypt and the bondage of Pharaoh. But God sent a mighty miracle and brought us out by blood and by power. And we are his covenant people. He has been good to us. He's brought us across the Red Sea. He's brought us through the wilderness. He's settled us in Canaan's fair and happy land. God has been good to us. We're his covenant people. We've been redeemed by blood and by power. Oh, may God stir us up tonight so that the fire of God will burn in our hearts and our lives again. Fire changes everything. It changes the attitude of the people of God. It changes the atmosphere of a congregation. Now you might desire to go to a church where everybody kind of sits around and stares at each other, but that's not the kind of church I really want to be a part of. 
Now, you might desire to go to a church where the pastor's like Jack Frost and he hands out popsicles every Sunday. You might desire to go to a church like that, but I don't desire to go to a church like that. I don't want to go to a, a church where Brother Jack Frost comes out of the pulpit and ice skates down the aisle and welcomes all those that have slept for the last little while through his uh, sorry excuse for a message from God. Oh, I want to go to a church where the fire of God is not unusual, uh, where the pulpit is on fire and the pews are on fire and the choir is on fire and the singers are on fire and those in the pew are on fire for God where they're all stirred up where they're not ashamed of Jesus and they're in love with him and they're not afraid to pull out the stops and say hallelujah we have a God that has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light hallelujah we have a God that has saved us from a burning hell and we have a God that has taken us to a place called heaven we serve a living God and he set our hearts on fire for him. Now listen carefully. This congregation needed the help of God. Their gods were idols. In fact, they were worshiping idols on this hand and trying to serve God on this hand. And the Bible said no man can serve two masters. You can't serve the world six days and come in to the house of God and try to be on fire. It's just not a work. You can't fake fire. In fact, God killed some men in the Old Testament for strange fire. You can't fake the fire if you serve idols six days and try to come into God's house. He will not bless you. Their hearts were cold and silent. It was an awkward silence. And they let Elijah nearly do it all. In fact, they were sullen and they were stubborn. They were sitting there with their arms crossed saying, well, bless me if you can, Elijah. It doesn't matter what happens on this hill today. We're going to go down that hill the same way we come up. Oh, no, you're not because the fire of God is coming. Oh, bless the name of God. Heaven's about to open up. The clouds rolled back. The stars rolled back. And God said to a mighty angel, get a coal off the altar and let it down on that altar down there on Mount Carmel and show that backslid crowd that I'm still God and that I'm still real and that I'm still able. Oh, I say hallelujah for the fire of God. Amen. You and I that are saved ought to realize the fire of God can change a congregation. It really makes a difference when God saves sinners and they get on fire. In fact, they don't know all what to say. They get up in a testimony and they may say something they ought not to say. It may be theologically incorrect, but I'd rather have one that's on fire any day that's just not all technically correct. Somebody get up and blubber. They may even say something they ought not to say. They may get up. Sometimes I cringe a little bit. Somebody just got saved. They may get up and say, I run around on my wife and I want to be, I want to be where God. And I'm saying, oh Lord, please help him not to say much more. And uh, you don't ever know what they're going to say. Oh, but I love it when they they get so on fire for God and so stirred up in God. They get a case where they just can't help but say something for the Lord. Oh, there's something happens when the heavens open. There's something happens when your heart gets open. There's something happens when God's on the scene and their mouths get open and they fall down in the presence of God and they fell on their faces in humility before God. I'm telling you there's something about it when they say the Lord he is the God. The Lord he is the God. No more I no more rivals, nobody else but Jesus. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that 
that's the reason why I love him so. The fire of God changes a congregation. Let me say thirdly, not only does the fire of God change the attitude of the Christian and the atmosphere of the congregation, but the fire of God changes the advancement of the country. Now here's what Elijah did when the fire fell. Now he's been outnumbered, really. He's been really greatly outnumbered. But something happens when the fire of God falls. And Israel gets on their face and they get in their hearts right with God. And Elijah looked at them. He said, all right now, take them prophets of Baal. Take them down there to the brook. I'll be there in just a little while. We're going to have to take care of business. Amen. And they didn't hesitate. They took every one of them. And Brother Roloff said he made a non-profit organization out of them. Amen. That's exactly right. Took them down there and Elijah killed those prophets of Baal. Not only did he put down sin, but he also put the wicked on notice. He said, Ahab, he said, hey, Ahab, you saw that fire? He said, God's getting ready to send some rain. You better get up and get off this hill. And he got his chariot and Elijah got girt up in the power of the Holy Ghost. Outrun him all the way to Jezreel. I say, hallelujah. Oh, there's a God who can still put the wicked on notice. I want to tell this wicked government and these wicked governmental leaders and these liberals that want us to swallow all their poison. I want to tell you it ain't happening. No, no, no. Listen, I still stand on the Bible and it's a whole lot more conservative than the Republicans and the independents. I want to tell you I still stand on the Bible and when the fire of God falls I'm telling you it can cauterize a whole lot of Washington and clean out a whole lot of the state house here in North Carolina. I can say to you, it can advance our country if you and I would get on fire for God. Amen. Oh, that you and I would put the wicked on notice. Amen. And listen, no need for you to run around with your head down saying, well, I'm just a little old Christian. I'm outnumbered. No. Listen, when the fire of God falls, you'll realize you're on the winning side. Yeah, you'll realize you're on the winning side. Help us here, Lord. The fire of God changes everything. Let me say, secondly, the fire of God consumes. The Bible said that fire, in verse 38, fell. It fell and consumed some things. You know why? Because the fire of God does not fall on an empty altar. Just read your Bible. Every instance I gave you just a moment ago, the altar was filled with sacrifice. And the fire of God does not fall on an empty altar. So if you want the fire of God to fall on you, you've got to get on the altar. You say, I can't get down. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your heart, full surrender to God. If you want God to bless you and send the fire of God, you've got to be willing, my friend, to have a relationship to the altar. I want to ask you tonight, Is your altar an empty place? You say, well, preacher, you know, I'm just not able to, listen now, you might as well stop right there because anything God wants you to do, he's going to help you to do it. Anything God wants you to do. You say, well, I'm old. I am too. Praise God. Sign a banana and join this bunch. We're here together. I'm old too. I preached This is the ninth time since last Sunday 
This is the ninth time, twice last Sunday, every night last week, and this is the second time today. That's nine times. And listen, I'm not 27 anymore. I know my age. I felt every bit of it when I peeled out of the bed. I felt like asking my wife, just give me a push. I can get up if you'll help just a little bit. Oh, but I want to tell you something. There is something set up in my bones. There's something burning in my heart. There's a desire. Elijah said, I can't give up. I've got to keep going on. I want the fire of God. I want the people of God to get their hearts in order. So the fire of God will fall. Though he largely committed himself to all the effort and labor, can I remind you the altar when the fire fell was not empty. Is your altar empty? You say, preacher, I'm struggling in my prayer life. I am too. And I Striving daily to work at it, though. Striving daily to work at it. In fact, there's nothing God deals with me about constantly than about seeking him and his face daily. There's nothing that God works on my heart so much about as praying for Gary and Beverly and Daryl and Karen and Mark and Diane and Mike and Gladys and, and Bobby and Lisa. There's nothing that God so works on me about as the fact that I told them that I would pray for Mason and Esther and Rick and Barbara and Shelton and Bryson and I, that I would pray for Melissa Trexler and so many others. There's nothing that so works on my heart as the fact that by God's grace and power that I don't want my altar to be empty, that I want my heart to be full of intercessory prayer and power from God that when I leave this world, I want to leave this world not as a burnout Christian, but it's a Christian that's on fire for God because the fire of God has a way of consuming things that it comes in contact with. Now you say, preacher, I don't want to be consumed. Well, you're going to get old anyway. Might as well not get old and crabby and grouchy. Amen. Did you wake up grouchy or did you let him sleep? Might as well get full of joy and full of power, and full of peace, and full of the things of God, and allow God to set the prayer altar and your heart on fire. Listen, let me ask you, are you seeking God and praying and believing God? So that prayer thing don't work. Not in a push-button society, don't work like that. Not in a society where every meal is eaten through the window of your car. No. You got God into that instantaneous gratification cycle that our society has created. You and I know tonight that God does not always answer like that. 18 years we prayed for my mother-in-law to get saved. Many nights down by the bed with my sweet precious wife her bawling her eyes out, crying out to God. Oh, Lord, don't let my mama go to hell. Oh, God, please don't let the devil kill my mama. I want my mama to get saved. 18 years crying out to God. I want to tell you this. Pray on, child of God. Keep the altar filled. Keep your heart filled up. Stay with God. Stay with God. Stay with God. Don't let the devil talk you out of the promise of God. Stay with God. Amen. You and I that are saved tonight ought to keep the altar filled. In fact, in my days of being a church member, many times I'd be the first one in it and the last one out of it. Not ashamed at all to say tonight 
that the fire of God consumes, but it falls on a full altar. Now listen carefully to me tonight. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings 18, 38, that when the fire of God fell, it consumed five things. Look at your Bible in verse 38. And consumed, number one, the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. You say, my soul, preacher, it burn it all up. I say, hallelujah, burn it all up, Lord. Set me on fire for you so nothing is left. But what you desire, let it go up into a holy offering for God. You know, I say tonight, hallelujah for these things in the word of God, the burnt sacrifice, the bullock that was offered, the wood that was placed in order, the stones that had been laid there, even the dust and the water. And the Bible said Elijah had filled the trench with water. You see, he wanted these heathen men to know that not only is God going to answer by fire, but you're getting ready to watch wet wood burn. Not only is wet wood going to burn, but wet rocks, wet meat, everything's soaking wet. And now when the fire gets finished, there's nothing left. God licked it all up, even the dust around the altar. You say, preacher, what can God do? Look at your Bible. You can see what God, can God save my brother? Oh, yes, God still can. Can God save my babies? Oh, yes, God still can. I'm talking about the fire of God. Amen. Listen carefully tonight. I want to say that fire consumed this sacrifice, the wood and everything else. And I'll tell you what else it did. It consumed their pride also. See, they might have been standing while Elijah was praying. They may not have even closed their eyes. They might have been just looking on and said, well, I wonder what's going to happen next. Well, I'm telling you when the fire come out, I wonder what it sounded like. Probably louder than thunder. Probably hotter than lightning. I wonder what it sounded like when it hit that altar. I'm telling you what, I guarantee you, it was a sound that the Israelite never forgot. I guarantee if they were standing up on that hill that day, they told their little babies, I'm going to tell you something, something happened up on that hill up there. God came down. God came down. You go up there, you can see the little old black spot right there where his power manifests on that hill. Fire consumes, let me say it, consumed their pride. Verse 39, they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces. Maybe you can't get on your knees, but maybe you can get on your face. Maybe you can lay across the bed if you have to and say, Lord, I'll stay here. My back's bad. My knees are bad. My joints ache every day, but Lord, I'll just lay across this bed. I'll lay on the couch if I have to. I'll get in a position, Lord, where I can begin to intercede and call on your name. It consumed their pride. Let me say it consumed their personal glory. They had not have anything to say about themselves. No. They said, the Lord, he is the God. Oh, it consumed, my friend, the power and intimidation of the enemy. See, when Elijah said, get them prophets, nobody hesitated. Not at all. They weren't concerned about that bunch of raving maniacs up there cutting themselves, acting like a bunch of rock and roll stars in a concert. Somebody help me preach a little while. No. They said, it's done, Elijah. 
got that crowd and drug them to the bottom of the hill and Elijah put them out of business. I want to say tonight, God can still clearly defeat the enemy. And he did that here in this passage. The fire of God changes everything. It's very different when you preach in the service when the fire of God has been present. It's very different when you preach in a revival when the fire of God is falling in that meeting. I can tell you that there is nothing like it on planet earth when you're in a service and the fire of God is burning. And I've heard people cry out. I've heard them cry out for God to save them. I was in the middle of preaching years ago, in the middle of preaching a message on hell, and a young man got up and he come down, he was squalling. And he said, I'm lost, I'm lost. I've got to get saved. Oh, and he got an altar and got born again. I'm gonna tell you this tonight. It makes a difference when the fire of God is burning in the house of God. In fact, as I was praying and preparing this message, the Lord reminded me that the only hope for our generation is holy fire. The only way we can keep our loved ones from hell fire is to get on fire for God. It'll make a great difference if you and I would get on fire for God. Holy fire keeps sinners from hell fire. In fact, we know that the fire of God challenges and constrains the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God. Now, what does it do? It makes us to realize some things. It marks his preeminence. The only God who answered by fire on Carmel was our God, the God of heaven. And it marks his preeminence. The Baal God never answered. The idol gods never answered. But the God of heaven marked his preeminence by answering by fire. There are some things you need God to do. And only God can do it. And you're going to have to trust him. Say, Lord, this problem I got, no, this problem can be his if you'll let him. And if you let him, God can take care of that. Maybe not exactly in the way that you think, but God can take care of it. Not only does the fire mark his preeminence, it magnifies his power. When the fire fell, they got on their faces. It was real enough that they did not deny that his power had been magnified. None other than God himself could do what was done that day. I have been in services and have seen God do things where I had to say, Lord, nobody but you could do what was done tonight. And we need that kind of power even in this hour. We certainly do. It not only marks his preeminence and magnifies his power, it manifests his presence. You see, when this fire fell, they got on their face, confessing him to be all that Elijah said that he was. Then when they got on their feet, they took care of the idolaters obeying. Not only would the fire of God make us confess and make us recognize our God the way we should, it'll also put us on our feet. If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. So I say from this passage, and I'm finished, I'm just going to mention it in passing. If you want to see the fire of God fall, maybe you ought to be busy repairing that altar that has been broken down. You say, preacher, I know I've, I've failed in relationship to prayer and praying and really developing. You say, how do you develop a prayer life? 
Well, Hanley Milby said he was going to write a book on it one time, and it's going to have two words in it. They asked him, said, when are you going to write a book on prayer? He said, if I did, it'd have two words in it. Do it. That's what he said. Do it. You know how you learn to pray? Do it. Pray. Start praying and stay with God and ask him to teach you and he will. But you're going to have to rebuild the altar, repair the altar. You're going to have to replace the sacrifice. The days of sacrifice seem to be missing today. And I'm not talking about just obedience. A lot of times the days of obedience are missing. But see, sacrifice goes beyond obedience. You can't fathom sacrifice because you don't also desire to obey. You've got to get to obedience first. You know, there's nothing I have that means more to me than what Jesus has done for me. I got a little bit of money in this wallet. You can have it. I'd give it all to you for the fire of God. I'll let you have all of you. He said, let me have it. No, your heart's cold. You're not thinking about what I'm preaching about tonight. What's in that wallet right there doesn't really mean a whole lot. Money's a wonderful servant. It's a horrible master. When you realize God gave it to you so you can use it for him, it'll mean a lot less to you. And a lot more of it will be used in God's work and God's will. Let me say this. It's not really hard to get a person to sacrifice who's already on fire for God. My wife and I were talking about this when you just... Just young, just a young couple, and our kids were really, really small. We really didn't have a whole lot. We, we really didn't eat out a lot. You know why? We was broke. They said, we're going to eat. I said, we're going home. Beanie Winnie's and pigs in the blanket. And I don't regret much of it because we did what the Lord wanted us to do. Our church rallied and was providing meals for the pastor and I said, now we got to make sure we give him something a lot, a lot better than what we usually eat here. And so we, we put together the money to provide him a meal. My wife and I looked at each other and said, we don't even eat this on Sunday. We really don't. But it was a sacrifice and we were glad to do it. See, when the heart's on fire, it's not really hard to sacrifice. It's not really difficult at all. In fact, it comes so much easier when the heart is on fire. And as Elijah did, even though he's the only one praying, he returned to prayer. See, if you're going to have the fire of God to fall in your life, you're going to have to be mindful of these ingredients that we mentioned just a moment ago. And I want to say the Lord, you say, preacher, you're scaring me. I don't know if I want to be on fire for God or not. Well, just ask him, Lord, show me. Lord, help me. Lord, touch me. I want to be on fire for God. I want the fire of God to burn in my heart. It's wonderful to get up every day thinking about, Lord, I wonder what you'll do through me today. Lord, I wonder what you'll do through me in this instance of 24 hours today. wonder what kind of great and mighty things you will do in my life today. That expectation comes from the fire. But you've got to get on fire for God to really experience that. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed.